1: Oh, Somewhere... yeah. we.
0: to uh, having a talk with him. I get the sense that he was not exactly happy with his team's performance at Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll talk to him. We'll see what's going on uh, with those Jeff Broncos. But let's go ahead and get started. Much like we always do, it's Need to Know News. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, we'll get uh, started with the uh, baseball all right, it's still going on here. White Sox take another beating last night, six to three. Eight straight wins for Seattle now has been rolling through the month of August. Sox strike out ten times. Seattle uses seven different pitchers in this one. Clevenger uh, for the White Sox goes five innings, six hits, four runs, four strikeouts. Benintendi homers, but that's not the big news. The big news is Sox go and fire GM Rick Hahn and Vice President Ken Williams. What has it been with the club since '92? Working his way up the ladder. Man, they showed him the door. Internet seemed to be pretty excited about it. Uh, Ozzy Guillen on the team's post-game show. They were not happy with Aloy Jimenez's uh, answers on locker room accountability. Kind of laid into the culture. Something we continue to hear. This may not be the only firing we see out of the White Sox. Meanwhile, they are currently in action. They own a 1-0 lead in the bottom of the third. Runners on the corners against Seattle. Two outs. Tim Anderson with an RBI single. Alves has a hit as well. Michael Kopech on the mound. Three innings, one hit, no runs, four strikeouts, four walks. That's something, man. I mean, the amount of guys he puts on base for free blows my mind. But Sox in a good position right now. Kirby's on the mound for the Mariners. He's got four strikeouts uh, through two and two-thirds. On the other side of things, the Cubs lost some ground last night. 8-6 the final uh, to Detroit. Smiley, three and two-third innings, eight hits, seven earned runs. Four strikeouts. That doesn't help. Uh, Two hit nights out of uh, Suzuki Swanson and Candelario. Swanson and Candelario both went yard as well. We're in the top of the six right now where the Cubs lead four to nothing. Couple of RBIs for Cody Bellinger on a single in the third inning. Candelario with an RBI double in the second inning, and then Magerwell with a single uh, RBI in the fourth inning. So they've got one run in the second, two and third, one in the fourth, have not scored since then. Jamison Talion has a no-hitter going through five innings. One walk, five Ks. He's already up to 75 pitches. Yeah, I don't know that he's going to get there. But that would be his best outing by far of the season so far. Dude just been rocked by lefties all year. So, there you got both Chicago teams playing afternoon baseball today. Purdue football news. It's, you know, football award watch season. Add Hudson Card to the Johnny United's Golden Arm Award. Add DeMarje Lewis and Garrett Miller to the Comeback Player of the Year Award. Purdue also announcing that uh, that home game against Syracuse sold out, buddy. You can't get those tickets. So, if you got them, congratulations to you. All right, more news in Iowa as defensive tackler, number one left tackle, Noah Shannon, has uh, been acknowledging his involvement in sports wagering, has now been officially suspended for the season, says Kirk Ferenc. Uh Ferentz also told reporters that the school would appeal the NCAA's decision. Uh, Shannon, who has not been charged in the state's criminal investigation in illegal sports wagering by college athletics, uh, said uh, last week that he has been cooperating with the NCAA to provide information. Two current players, who I believe are both walk-ons, kicker Aaron Blum and wide receiver Jack Johnson, uh, have been charged with tampering with records in gambling. Uh, both were suspected of making wagers while under the legal age of 21 and placed them on mobile sports wagering accounts registered under the names of other people. And uh, Bullstar Lonzo Ball released a video of him sitting down using one leg, his uh, injured leg that he had all the you know, issues with last year. To uh, how do I put this? Uh, to rebuke the uh, claims made by ESPN Stephen A. Smith that Ball had been so bad he had trouble sitting down. Ball also stated, "Come on, man, I'm coming back." And Shaquille Leonard has decided uh, not only does he change his name last season, he's got to do something this year. The linebacker will change his number. He will sport number seven. Lucky number seven. If this doesn't work out, he'll go back to the old number and go back to Darius, maybe. Darius played football. I don't like to see him play football. He's not playing football. It's been a minute. So best of luck to him. There you go. That is today's need to know news. Trying to find some winners back out there uh, on uh, the betting sites tonight. We have a lot of afternoon baseball going on. Kansas City and Oakland are getting ready to start at 4 o'clock at San Francisco, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, in uh, the Angels, Miami, and San Diego. There's really uh, only four games on this evening. Colorado, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Baltimore, Washington, New York, the Yankees, and the Dodgers and Cleveland. Oh, I'm sorry. We do have uh, Mets Atlanta. So we do have a four. I, I didn't get all the way down the sheet there. I thought we only had those four. But half the slate's going on in the afternoon. Little bit of a tough one here. Uh, we're looking for some of the things that are going to work out for us tonight. Uh, let's see what we can figure out on the diamond. Marcelo Zona, 421 against Jose Quintana. He's hitting 320, uh, 342 in August right now. Has a hit in 18 of his last 19 games. He's got a hit in his last eight games versus the Mets. We love to see that Ryan Map Castle was the uh, the darling yesterday, and uh, he came up short here. 455 batting average uh, against Kevin Gosman. He's hitting 403 in the month of August with a hit in 20 of his last 22 games. He had been on a tear. See if he can get back on the uh, win wagon with him. He's also got um, a hit in four of his last five games against Toronto and a run in four of his last five games. On top of that, and who's and Jose Jose Altuve is hitting almost three hundred uh, versus Chris Sale lifetime four hundred batting average in August. He's hitting lefties two seventy and a hit in twenty of his last twenty three games. Ozuna, Mountcastle, Altuve. Uh, These are guys that we like, especially in the hits category here tonight. Um, Shohei Otane is an interesting guy tonight. He's dealing with like a fingernail injury, but he's going to toss tonight. So there's some lowered expectations if you want to roll the dice uh, on Shohei. By the way, taking on Cincinnati, uh, this is a Otani uh, a, a, a nine and0 in his last nine games on a no run first inning. He's five and0 on the season at home doing that. I mean those are the guys that were out here watching this evening. Trying to find some value here in the uh, in the later games. Like I said, there was a couple pitching spots early on that you've already missed out on. Bummer, but I do like Altuve tonight. He was he he's on my card, and you got till eight o'clock to get that one in. Did the Rays already start? What time did the Rays start? Because Diaz is a, a great Yaddy Diaz is a uh, another guy here that I think you need to get on this evening when it comes to hits, runs, and RBIs. He's hit that in five straight, 10 of his last 11, uh, hitting three two uh, 295 against left-handed pitchers, and Gombers on the mound as they take on Colorado. Two hitters that I'm definitely targeting later on this evening. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, Coach Pat Shanley, Jeff Broncos, off to... Uh, that was not the start that they wanted down in Lucas Oil Stadium. Well, they had some personnel stuff that they were dealing with here and just yeah, it was it wasn't a great start here, but we'll talk with him next. We'll see how it's going this week as they prep for Michigan City and uh, their very first home game of the season. He's coming up next. Stick around there is more Hammer Down show to be had here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down show on 101.7 The Hammer 1017, The We're gonna pop on over to our Hammerhead Hotline. We're gonna bring in Coach Pat Shanley of the Lafayette Jeff Broncos. Uh coming off a loss to Cathedral at Lucas Oil Stadium, 55 to 14, looking to rebound with our first home game this Friday night against Michigan City. Coach, uh thanks as always. Uh you know, I, I always wish we'd be talking about victories uh with you the following week. It's it's not the case this week. Uh, we know that was a real tough opponent. We talked about it last week, and uh, I know you uh a little shorthanded at times, too, in, in certain positions. But uh, what do you take away from that uh, game of Lucas Oil Stadium?
1: Well, we, we had a lot of guys that, you know, physically and mentally weren't ready for Friday night, honestly. Um, as, as coaches, we, you know, didn't do a great job preparing them, um, you know, for, to, to execute at a level that it takes to, to be successful against uh Number 70 team in the country. So, um, you know, there's some things there, and there, there's some things that, uh, you know, if we execute better, um, you know, the result is, you know, I'm not saying we win the game, but um, certainly doesn't reflect the scoreboard the way that it did. So, you know, of their, you know, Jared, just to get into some nuts and bolts, man, there, you know, we showed about six to eight plays offensively where we're, you know, a misstep or six inches away from it being an explosive play. And then, you know, of their 333 total yards on offense, 277 of them were after first contact. Um, so, you know, and that, that's with missed, missed assignments, guys' eyes not being in the right spot. So, uh, again, we got to do a better job as coaches um, getting them to execute at a higher rate. I'm not putting it on the kids. I think it's the result of a lot of guys getting their first varsity action against a very good team. So, you know, we're not going to complain about it. Um, we're, we're showing up this week with the intent to fix it.
0: All right, let's talk about some of the positions here. You know, Lance Crowder was your uh, your, your your quarterback. Seems like you know, twelve of twenty, you know, seventy six yards. Uh, the the INT. I know Xavier got some time in there as well, uh, going uh, three or four as well. But uh, how how do you feel about your quarterback situation here going forward?
1: Yeah, I think we've got some guys that can play. Uh, Lance is the guy that we're going to have to move around a lot and, and put in a lot of different uh, positions. Uh, his brother Kian started the first five games of the season for us last year and played well. He's had a great summer, and um, you know he'll be, you know he'll be in the mix to compete for reps as well. So um, you know we 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 like that position. We, we've got some young guys coming up through the program that have worked really hard with, with Coach Richard and are and, uh, really developing nicely. So uh, we're excited about their work ethic on a day-to-day basis and and uh you know that work ethic on a day-to-day basis is, is leading to, to great improvement
0: and a guy too that uh picked you up the yards that you needed uh, on the ground as well uh, as he goes over 100 you know uh, we know no glenn patterson right now but uh, he does great there uh also you know jk powers uh man you know five yards a carry it's uh pretty solid there as well 11 carries for uh, 55 uh you know I, it's nice to have that competition, but at the same time, you know when you have a little bit of a hierarchy, that makes those younger guys uh, kind of want to fight. I think a, a little bit more to uh, get more of those reps. But it, it seems like those were uh, guy, th- those two guys you could count on them to pick you up some yards uh, on Friday night.
1: Jukaden ran hard. Uh, he did a lot of good things. Um, he's had a nice off season and, and uh, really kind of carries himself with a chip on his shoulder, like he's got something to prove. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think we, we're going to see him continue to get better and better as the season progresses. And again, there's some other guys there, uh, whether they've been defensive players primarily, um, that, that will likely see some, uh, touches on offense there as the, as the season progresses as well. So it'll be kind of a, a running back by committee with Jacaden kind of leading the way and then the other guys, um, you know, again, kind of helping as needed and, and as we require.
0: Have you reminded the kids, I mean, you look at what happened last season, you take on Cathedral, that doesn't go well, but then you guys go on a nice little run there throughout the regular season. You only lose one more until the until the regional. You know, Michigan City was that catalyst last year going on the road, and you went up there 51-33, to, uh, to to 33, and then you, you rattle off three straight shutouts. Um, do you look at that history? I know it's a different team, but do you look at that history and kind of go back to your guys and say, listen, you know, Week one's done. Uh, Look what we did last year in a similar position. We can do that again?
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's something you could discuss. But uh, quite honestly, our time's just been uh, spent focusing on the tape and trying to get this group better now. I mean, it's a much, much different group than we had last year. Um, You know, last year we had a lot more experience on the field. This year we didn't. So our time and attention, we we haven't really spent much time talking about the postseason. We've been more just trying to focus on getting better and getting ready for, for Michigan City. I'm sure the time... Will come um, where, where we talk about you know ready, regular season um, wins or losses are really kind of meaningless as it relates to the postseason. But uh, yeah, our, our focus has just been on uh, on trying to get these guys ready and get better.
0: We're talking with Pat Shanley here on our Hammerhead Hotline, head coach of the Jeff Broncos, and uh, the Broncos are going to be welcoming in Michigan City 7:30 on Friday night. So uh, you can get over there to Schumann Stadium and uh, watch that one on the turf. Uh, when it comes to these details, you know, historically, uh, what's your experience been? You talk about, you know, the tackling and in and, and, and the preparation and, and maybe some of the mental aspect times too. Is this, do you need to start asking more out of your uh, your leaders uh, in terms of kids here? Uh, is it something that you guys need to just redouble a focus on coaching? Like, uh, wh- where do you put the emphasis on here in improving this week on some of those details?
1: Yeah, so it's just, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of crazy, but you know, it's being behind the line. It's when coaches are talking, instructing, we're locked into what's taking place. You know, we're going back to the basics in terms of helping these guys focus on the details that lead to success. And, um, you know, that, that's what we've got to do. So, you know, we're, we're going to get their attention and, and uh, we're going to do a better job as coaches kind of being um, maybe a little bit more consistent on, on those expectations and having consequences uh, for if those expectations aren't met. met, quite honestly. So, we, we've got a lot of uh, talent in our program, and, and what we've explained to our guys, the talent's great. But uh, if we don't have the discipline that it takes, we're not going to be a successful organization. So, as coaches and as, as student athletes, we, we've all got to be better in, in that respect. And again, that, that's primarily our focus right now.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Michigan City, uh, first year under uh, new head coach uh, Cody French. So, you know, I think there's only so much that you can you, know, you really look at last year's tape and, and apply to this one here, but. Uh, I'm sure you probably. I'm hoping that you've at least been able to uh, see some of that tape against uh, Warsaw from last week. Uh, What do you see out of the Wolves this season, and what concerns you the most?
1: They got they've got 13 returning starters, multiple Division One kids. Um, They play really really hard and play with a lot of passion and a lot of energy. Um, They've got a a quarterback that's back in Tyler Bush. That's really good. Their quarterback's committed to Syracuse. Left tackle's going to Ball State. Number one, uh, popped the top off against us last year, and he's just like like a can of dynamite, man. He, he's super, super explosive. Uh, defensively, they've got seven starters back. Number 11 is probably the best Mike linebacker that we're going to see all year. I mean, he's really, really good, really dynamic, really physical player, and uh, just a lot of talent around him. So um, special teams, they're, they're really sounding their special teams, and they play exceptionally hard on special teams as well. So I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses. You know, they, they went against a tough, uh, Warsaw team that that uh, under Coach Curtis is historically really really good, um, so I wouldn't read too much into to that loss uh, at all. I mean, again, I, I think it's a team that uh, looks much improved from last year.
0: Coach Pat Shanley, the Jeff Broncos, uh, looking to get back to basics and pick themselves up a win here this week at home, 7:30 as they host Michigan City coach uh, you, you know I love talking with you each and every week uh, hopefully next week we're talking after a win here you know best of luck with this heat and dealing with that and getting practices in the rest of the week and uh, go out there give them some hell on Friday night
1: appreciate it Jared thanks for all having-
0: big thanks to coach Pat Shanley here uh, it's the Hammer Down Show 1017 Hammer, 1017 thehammercom i know not excited about the results From that game down at Lucas Oil Stadium, I I don't blame them. Dealing with some personnel issues early on here as well. Uh, But a chance to uh, get right with everything. They come out and fire against Michigan City on Friday night. As of right now, I have not been told that there's any adjustments to times tomorrow. But we do have, like, Garen is hosting CC. That game is uh, at 730 West Lafayette at McCutcheon is uh, at 7:30. Harrison is down at Plainfield. That's still at uh, seven o'clock. And then who did I uh, who did I leave out? Oh, of course Jeff, because you know and you know Jeff with Michigan City, uh, you know 7:30 there. So um, yeah, I haven't seen anything with the Heat. I know a lot of teams maybe going early, going late, going inside. Uh, Today, tomorrow, from what I've been told. So it should be an interesting week of uh, high school uh, football. Again, starting at 7 o'clock with a pregame, 7.30 with the kickoff out at uh, Gordon Straley Field. Between McCutcheon and West Lafayette. Should be a very interesting matchup. Um, It'll be interesting to see if West Lafayette can pick up the tempo a little bit. And find some more success on offense that they're accustomed to. And I'll tell you this. I thought McCutcheon looked uh, and, and seemed much improved from what I watched and the people that I talked to. I think you got to watch out for the Mavericks here. I think they're building some momentum. It's all things to keep an eye out on. Uh, over to baseball. Uh, Cubs have blown a four run lead thanks to a uh, McCarpenter uh, grand slam here in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, Tyan has had a uh, no hitter going until he gave that up. Uh, so he gets yanked after five and two-thirds. Uh, the four earned runs, four hits, and six strikeouts for him on 99 pitches. And Bellinger, Suzuki, and Gomes, and uh, Ken, uh, Ken Alario all one for three right there through the heart of the lineup. That's where the Cubs stand. The bad news for the Cubs is, you know, yesterday they lose that game to Detroit. And then on top of that, you know, Milwaukee also gets the win over Minnesota. Can't have it. Now, the Brewers on a four-game win streak, so Chicago's sitting three and a half back. You definitely don't want to go lose here and have them win again today. Uh, right now, though, the good news is Minnesota does lead 5-3 to three in the bottom of the fourth. But you got to start making up some ground here if you are the Cubs. Uh, we've talked about what the Cubs' schedule looks like coming down the stretch here, and it was somewhat favorable. You're going to get four against the Pirates. It's on the road, but you're going to go out to Pittsburgh and uh, play the Pirates for four, who you have uh, gone six and zero on the season so far against. You get three at home against Milwaukee, which will be pivotal. Problem is, you know, you want Steele and Hendricks in there. And, uh, oh, no, you do get them on the backside of that. That's good. Then you got four against Cincinnati, which is going to be tough. It's in Cincinnati. But a team that had that juice going here, and they've leveled off a bit, Cincinnati does leave that series five to four so far this season. Three at home against San Francisco, four at home against Arizona. You're going to get three out of Colorado, three out of Arizona is not bad. You still got an extra three against Pittsburgh. I mean, you got six games against Colorado that's really going to help you. You got six against Milwaukee that's going to help you. So it's not bad. Meanwhile, you really needed some help out of the Brewers here down uh, this latest stretch because they were doing nothing but taking on division leaders. Right, You were excited that they had to go out to L.A. for three, and they got swept there. That helped you. But then they turned around and swept the, uh, swept Texas. Not good. you got these two against Minnesota who lead their division. That's another top feeder there. They'll get three back at home against San Diego this weekend. And they could be a dangerous team. I know they're seven games below 500, but they can be a very dangerous team. They've got the hitting power. They've only got three left against Pittsburgh. That helps you. They do have seven against St. Louis. Four against Miami. Still got to go out to the Bronx and take on the Yankees. You know, they're just 3-3 three and three against St. Louis. But you really wanted to make some hay uh, with that West Coast trip uh, and, and make up some ground against them because you had you know, favorable matchups as the Cubs here over the last couple of weeks. And they really haven't been able to really slam the door here. They haven't gotten the help that they wanted to. I mean, you took two out of three at Toronto. You needed that. Two out of three against Kansas City. You needed that. But Milwaukee has not been helping you out here in uh, in closing that gap. That's tough. That's real tough. Meanwhile, on the south side, I, I know some people were surprised that they cleaned house in the front office here. And Greifel's got to go as well at the end of the season. I mean, it is very evident that while Hannah Williams did a really good job of identifying some young talent during this longer rebuild, that they really missed getting leadership pieces in there. And some of that falls on who they've had in the clubhouse running things day to day. La Russa seemed so checked out that it was almost seemed ceremonial. You're hearing from ex-players that there's no system of accountability in there. You're seeing guys uh, get traded and then all of a sudden take off. That's concerning. Now, did they fire the right people in all this? Uh, probably changes got to be made. So these guys seem pretty good in identifying the talent, but they're just, they were missing certain pieces. Not, just because you have a lot of talented people does not mean that they necessarily function and come together as a team on their own like they should. And uh, For whatever reason, this front office could not figure out a way to get all of those pieces to mesh. And you keep on hearing the stories and you see how some of these players are reacting after losses and things. And it just really makes me wonder if you have the right manager on top. Tim Anderson is fist fighting, guys. That should tell you a lot of what you need to know about the White Sox this season. You have some tremendous talent on that team that is basically rudderless, right? There's no accountability, there's no culture, and that is devastating for a ball club. But with guys like Anderson, Luis Robert Jr., Aloy, you had hitters, you had pieces, a burger was a splendid surprise, you had these pieces, but you didn't have leaders. And that's ultimately the downfall of what's, you know, wherever that ax decides to swing the rest of the season. Because not only does that fall on the front office, that falls on the manager, and that falls on, quite frankly, some of the, uh, some of the older guys, some of the older players. And nobody wants to step up and be a leader. And if you have a clubhouse that's devoid of any kind of leaders on, from the player, what, what can you do? How can you expect them to get better? How can you expect them to come together and play for each other? How can you expect any kind of accountability When nobody wants uh, to keep folks under control. It's sad. Extremely sad. But that's the current state of Chicago baseball right now. It's not even a timeline question. I mean, look, they've been doing this about the same time that the Cubs have been doing this. So tell me why the Cubs have had... So much more success uh, than the White Sox have. Take a look at the last three years. Tell me who's had it better. And the Cubs blew out their core over the last couple of years. Now they're back again contending. They're not 16 games, 17 games out like the White Sox are. Something had to be done. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. And I'll give it to them. You know, they made some of the change they needed to. They had to shake up the lineup a little bit. They just did not get the right pieces that that club needed in here. They had to blow out Larusa. Had to be done. But I don't feel as if they brought in the right guy to handle things. A, a, a tone has to be set in the locker room for the Chicago White Sox by somebody. Somebody's got to show up and want to be there and want to make it better. Do you get the sense listening to any of these players talk that that's you know, what they want? You feel like they're just kind of drifting by, like it's a job. Let's go about my business. I'll do my. I'll do what I'm supposed to do, when I'm done. Now, that's what it looks like right now, and that's not good. Two Chicago baseball programs trending in very different directions, but at least the, the White Sox have taken the first step. Reisendorf has taken the first step. He's acknowledged that he has a problem. You can't fix anything until you accept that you have a problem, right? And that's what they're doing. So it'll be interesting here, and I think it looks even worse too if the if the Cubs make the playoffs. It looks even worse too because we're on similar timelines here, and you are worlds. It's never been more evident than it is since the All Star break here that they seem to be worlds apart right now. Worlds apart. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna wrap up the Hammer Down Show. It's next on. Getting back after it here on the Down Show on 1017 The Hammer 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jesselitis. Not sure that I um, missed a whole lot today. Nobody wants to get out and do anything. It's hot. It's just disgusting out there, man. And tomorrow's going to be even worse. Not looking forward to that. So I hope you're staying cool. I hope you're being smart about things. Stay hydrated. I know we always talk about that kind of stuff. But, boy, um, it's uh, it's getting rough out there. Uh, so, what I decided to do, instead of uh, turning on that new Star Wars show last night, because I think it came out like 10 or something last night on Disney Plus, you know, I settled in and I watched uh, the first two episodes of Swamp Kings. I, like you, I remember that being a very wild time in Gainesville. Um, you know, the the real rise of Urban Meyer coming out of Utah. Winning that natty. Bringing Florida back to prominence. Tim Tebow. My least favorite NFL quarterbacks of all time. And you're going to hear from Tebow. You're going to hear. Urban's actually sitting down to talk about this stuff. Like we all saw the trailers. We're all getting hype. And then I watched the first two episodes and I say to myself. This is a recruitment video for wherever he goes next are we serious now i start the third episode you know before i go to bed here and they start teasing some of the you know the kids are getting a little out of hand here oh we got some off the field issues that they don't really delve into and maybe you know it is that we just want a little bit of the tea. we want to hear some of the stories behind some of this But for the people that have watched the whole thing in the sports community, everybody's essentially saying the same thing. That some of the most major topics of controversy in that era are completely omitted or just very quickly glossed over. The Aaron Hernandez-Tebow bar fight. Tebow takes the blame for it. That's about it. Nothing about the Pouncey Twins. Cam Newton's stolen laptop. Percy Harvin attacking his wide receivers coach. Carlos Dunlap arrested right before the SEC championship game. Shelly Myers 911 call and Urban Meyer going to the hospital with his heart attack. Anything from the 2010 season. Urban Meyer and Jeremy Fowler confrontation. Chris Rainey's threats to his girlfriend. It just kind of ends, and it's this, supposed to be this big positive thing, like, hey, we were great. It's a lot like the Johnny Football documentary. It's guys that are that were there, they lived it, they tell you what they want to tell you, And there's no pushback. There's no questions from the people shooting this. At least nothing that holds anyone's feet to the proverbial fire, so to speak. Well, I understand that the Aaron Hernandez stuff is very, very touchy. And I understand that the point of the documentary is not to run down some of these guys for mistakes they made as kids, but to completely omit some of this stuff. It essentially just, it's come off so far as a Urban Meyer recruitment video. Like, here's the culture that I create. Here's how badly I want to win. Listen to my players talk about how they had uh, the old coach. And now listen to them talk about how happy they are that I'm here and my culture. That's, that, that's what it is. I expected it to be, you know, fluffy. I did not expect it to be this fluffy. You get a couple of fun stories, but not any real good stories. It's disappointing. I get it. People are willing to talk about the good, they don't really want to talk about the bad. That's the conditions. You want to do this? This is my conditions. You want me on there? These are my conditions. Somebody says better better this than nothing. I got I got to have something to sell on Netflix. Better this than nothing. it only tells half the story that's the thing is for especially for young people that want to watch this and see what he built in the culture it doesn't show you the dark side of it and what happens it should serve as a cautionary tale for a lot of young athletes at least you would hope it would I mean, go back to the Johnny, Fo- Netflix has let us down, I think, with these. You go back to the Johnny football one, and man, it drums up a lot of sympathy for him with the NCAA. And then he basically just admits to going right back to the violations of doing exactly what they accused him of. You know, they took away Reggie Bush's Heisman for the pay-for-play stuff. It it, it was supposed to be a serious thing, but instead with Johnny telling it and the way Johnny tells it and with no other pushback, because you know, they don't have that friend really saying anything else after the, you know, we we parted ways. I mean, nothing else after that is there. you know Johnny's girlfriend he has the 911 instances with everything you know she's she's not talk, not nobody's given that side of the story it just, it's glossed over and that's a shame because that is part of the story i know it's not one that everyone wants to tell that part i understand that but i think you do the survey uh, the, the the story and I think you just do things, there's a lot of disservice done when you're only telling half of it. You can still appreciate the good stuff by also confronting the bad in retrospect years later. It's okay to admit fault for things that you did when you were in your young 20s. It shows growth, shows maturity, shows that you've accepted responsibility. They also show that you've moved on, but you know, I just hate it. I feel like we're telling half the story in some of these things, and it's it's gotta stop. Netflix has gotta do a better job with these documentaries. They just have to. If you're gonna have the principal people on there, you gotta also ask them about the bad stuff. And you gotta get them to talk about it. You just have to. All right, that about does it for me here on the uh, Hammer Down Show. Big thank you to Pat Shanley. We'll get his interview up here shortly. Tomorrow, Coach Brian Nay going to be on with us here, Central Catholic Knights. Uh, they are going to head down to Garen Friday night. It's the battle for the Bishop's Cannon. It's been a while since that's been in their possession. Both those teams coming off 1-0 uh, records here into Week 2. So we're going to talk to Coach Day. We'll see what he liked out of his uh, junior quarterback, uh, Bobby Metzger. Uh, as uh, I'm sorry, senior quarter. Or, yeah, no, junior quarterback Bobby Metzger and uh, his team as well. So you know we'll get the full run around tomorrow. We'll talk some Central Catholic football with you here. Also, it's the last night tomorrow night for the NFL preseason. Exciting stuff. Everybody's in action on that Thursday. So we'll talk about that and more. We'll get you all prepped and talk local sports for an hour back here on the Down Show tomorrow on 101.7 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. I will see ins back here at 3 p.m. tomorrow.